And hello and welcome everyone to a kind of different episode of the Comic Multiverse. In fact, we debated even calling this episode 102, but you know what? Screw it. Let's do it. We're recording this kind of early in the week. Matt and myself, I gotta catch a plane very soon, and so I just wanted to knock this one out of the way just so it's done <laughs> and I can have it to upload on Wednesday and early for patrons, Matt. Yeah, extra early for patrons this week. Extra early. There, there was basically no news worth reporting going on this week, even if I did wait till Sunday when we normally did it. So I said, you know what, screw it. Let's have a special theme episode. We never have special theme episodes. I think once we did a retrospective on the new 52, and that was it. Yeah, I think that's yeah all we've done, I think. Yep, that was it. So this is only our second theme episode ever and that theme is of course uh hey what are the best comics of 2018 so far we're smack dab in the middle of summer so you know what hey let's talk about what we've really enjoyed so far and there's been admittedly a lot of really strong books and a lot of really strong contenders i of course asked our fans on twitter to tell us what their favorites are so i've got five matt has five we'll trade back and forth i'm sure we're gonna have overlap right Oh yeah, definitely. I think we I think there's probably going to be maybe our whole lists that are the, pretty much the same. There's a damn good chance. I also got some ones that I heard are good, haven't read yet, but plan to read <laughs> at some point. So this, this might be a little shorter one, but we hope it'll be focused and sweet for you. So you know what? I am going to actually pass the baton over to Matt, and I'm going to let him go first. What's uh, what do you think is one of the best comics of 2018 so far? Um, well, when making my list, I kind of stayed away from like the 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 obvious ones, so like Superman and stuff like that. And I went with like ones that I personally really liked. I know a lot of people didn't read them, or judging by the views on my on my channel, um, uh, one of them obviously was All New Wolverine, which oh. finished a couple of weeks ago, like two weeks ago. Yeah, All New Wolverine in general has been a really, really strong era for the Wolverine character in Marvel Comics. Yeah. It's a shame to see it go, but it's wonderful to know it existed. It is. It, 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 they did some really great stuff with that character it through, I think it was like like 39-odd issues plus an annual, mm -hmm. plus whatever else she's she was in at the time. And I'm interested to see, because they seek to imply that she's going back to being X-23. Yep. Uh, for some reason, which doesn't really make sense with what that book did, which made her a hero I and mean, everything. Christ, if we can have two Wolverines, two Hawkeyes, two Captain Americas at a time, two Thors at a time, I think we can have two Wolverines. And as I've said a million times before, make her X-23 if you want for simplicity's sake, but let her keep the costume. Yeah, I know. Her costume, that costume she got, uh, which is like classic Wolverine costume, looks really cool. And even like her newer one, which is like an X4C yeah. sort of sort of one, looks really cool. I mean, Wolverine ain't going to wear that suit anytime soon when he comes back, so give it to someone who actually looks good in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and like the cast of that, that, that book as well, like Gabby and mm -hmm. uh, Jonathan, the, the actual Wolverine. The actual Wolverine. Uh, were, were really cool and i hope they they stick around in the, in that x23 book as well as like other stuff like x-men red and whatnot yeah yeah i think this book too along with you know i mean obviously injustice is where he made his bones but i think this book really puts tom taylor over as like a person to watch and like a person who if you let him run free he can give you magic because they could very easily have screwed up the x23 as wolverine storyline but they didn't 
Yeah, no, it could have definitely suffered from like all that stuff, like the all new, all different stuff. It could have uh, been reset a bunch of times with new number ones and all that sort of stuff. But no, they basically just like left oh, him yeah. to like do his own thing. It's true, and they made magic with it. And I think too to yeah. speak to the quality of that series, even even the usual suspects of the man, a vagina person is a traditional male character. I don't like vagina persons. Even they couldn't complain. Even they are like, yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, no, and, and that comes from the fact that they they didn't with they didn't take the Wolverine and just make it, make him make it a female. They made it a, 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 her own character. It made sense. X twenty three and yeah. Laura have been building up to inheriting the Wolverine uh, identity for a long time now. It was basically a no brainer. Yeah, it, it wasn't something that was just kind of like recent in recent years it's been building to it over the over quite a number of years yeah you'd be hard pressed to find a person who would disagree that she didn't deserve it and that it wasn't great yeah all right then so that was a really good one matt to start off you did marvel i guess i should pick a dc one here (laughs) which one should i pick here uh Tell you what, here's one that just wrapped up recently. I thought it wrapped up really strong, and much like I think this, uh, you know, the Wolverine book really helped elevate Tom Taylor to a person to watch and to be like, you know, a person who could sell a book. Uh, Detective Comics under James Tynan, I think, uh, has probably been some of the strongest work the dude has ever done, and maybe one of the best eras in Detective Comics for, you know, being like, hey, let's tell one solid story. Yeah, yeah, his his book since like he he was writing it before Rebirth, was he? Uh, a little before, I think he had like a yeah. story here and there, but this was his first time taking over and doing the whole thing. Yeah, so doing pretty much like two years worth of work in like a year, basically, oh, yeah. uh, and keeping it consistent, and even to the point where every preceding issue would get better and better and better and better until this final issue. Absolutely. Yeah, it's kind of hard to do, and he managed to do it. It is. You know, I think this is the book where James Tynan finally got out from under Scott Snyder's shadow because that was always the thing for so long where it's like, oh, James Tynan, he's Scott Snyder's little buddy. If he's having an event, he, I'm sure he'll write something. I'm sure he'll write a backup. I'm sure he'll do something for it. Here, I think he really found his own voice and kind of became his own creator with his own quirks and his own like uh, eccentricities and everything. This this was yeah. a Batman-centric team book, which already could have been really boring in anyone else's hands. It could have been like Web Warriors, where it's like, oh, God, it's five people with all basically the same powers. Yeah, yeah, it, it could have been bad. And, and <laughs> it's kind of funny because it ended up being much better than the actual Batman ongoing oh yeah, I think that helped in a big way too, where it's like, oh man, you know what the perfect cure for Tom King's Batman book, if you don't like <laughs> it, this Detective Comics. Uh, he, he brought, you know, he put the focus on the Bat family, all the sidekicks, especially the characters who never really got the spotlight or characters who were really mishandled in the New 52 era. The man worked wonders with Tim Drake, who you can tell is a favorite character of his. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He br- he brought him back and like actually made him made him decent again after the New Fifty Two kind of took a big shit all over him. And he yeah. he also like um brought the spotlight onto like villains like yes. Clayface and like oh, made a really interesting story with Clayface. A tragic story, maybe one of the best Clayface yeah. stories they've told. To where it's like, oh, this is why I should give a shit about basil carlo okay i get it now and also teaming up uh him with cassandra kane was another truly inspired idea where you're like oh wow 
I wouldn't see that as a combo, but it's a real great combo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's one of those things where you're like, you never thought about it, but when you see it, you're like, that actually makes a lot of sense. How did I not think of that? Mm-hmm. He also created a ton of new interesting characters to uh, the Victim Syndicate, which was his big, yep. like, you know, premier group of villains. <coughs> you know, we're, we're definitely going to see them again. Another villainous team. Uh, the Colony, which was a really cool idea. What if there was a paramilitary group that, you know, kind of worshipped Batman and his tactics and dressed up like Batman and everything? Yeah, they, they tied up their story. Well, it's not really tied up. They, like, tied up their story in, in Detective Comics really well, and uh, it makes me excited to see that they're still around. Yeah. And we'll see them uh, wherever they appear next. I guess probably Batwoman or whatever happens next. I assume so. Yeah, they, they said they shut the colony down, but I'm like, yeah, I don't believe that. Yeah, no, well, like, in the end of that last issue, they're, they're still working. Like, Jacob's still mm. sort of working as, like, an oracle sort of for, yeah. for Batwoman. So, yeah, he he's probably was. still... He's probably still, you know, dabbling in the paramilitary stuff. Oh, of course. (laughs) A guy like that, he can't stop. That's his addiction. That's another cool thing, too. Really shining the spotlight on Batwoman, but moreover than that, her relationship with Bruce and the fact where it's like, oh, you guys are actually family. You guys are actually blood-related. Why does no one not tell more stories about this? Yeah, the only... The only two of the the people that were in this book that were actually related. Yeah, and it makes them love each other, and it makes them hate each other too. The big the big crux of those final two arcs was, you know, they're kind of falling out over tactics, and you know, uh, what what do you do? How do you do it? Is it ever acceptable to kill in any situation? And you know, Batwoman very much coming at it like a soldier, where she's like, you know, I don't I don't want to kill, but I have to keep that in my back pocket for the worst possible scenarios and Batman being like, no, you could never kill the second you kill. You're as bad as those you fight and everything. And I will never, you know, give up on this because if I do, then I'm no better than those I fight, etc., etc. <laughs> and it was really good. I think my favorite issue was the mock trial issue where Batman has a sit down with all the other sidekicks. And it's like, okay, you know what, what shall be done about Batwoman and how like none of the other sidekicks buy his shit where it's like, look, man, yeah. she she broke your rules. She bruised your ego. This isn't about any of us. This is all about you. And the fact is, none of us here at the table are saints. But the fact that you're making it about her is really weird. Yeah, I, I really like that one. And that that's like another thing about like his book. He wasn't afraid to like call Batman out on his yes. shit. Where, where, whereas like Tom King's is a Batman who can do no wrong, is always right. This Batman, he's like, no, he's... He's kind of a, an an asshole, and he's yeah. kind of crazy. And well, it's funny. Yeah. K- King's Batman flies between the two extremes. Either Batman can do nothing, is horribly incompetent, or can yeah. do no wrong and is completely unstoppable and can plan seven moves ahead. It's funny to see him move from one extreme to the other in just a couple arcs. <laughs> but we're not here to talk about that. Uh, also, hey, James Tynan uh, putting in some very subtle uh, references to you know like. Uh, what is it? Uh, what is it? Uh, transgender characters with Doctor Victoria October. Very subtle to the point. Some people completely missed it. Only when I brought it up, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's what she's talking about. And to mirror that yeah. with the Clayface story, where it's like, you know, oh, I feel like a monster. I feel, you know, I don't feel comfortable <clears throat> in my skin. I feel like someone else, something else. And to them to work with that through the Victoria October character, and then for James Tyne to basically promise, yeah, you'll see these two again. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm really excited to see where they're going to pop up next. They were, they were two really great characters that really played well off each other. Mm-hmm. I, I would say that, you know, after this run, 
I think Clayface could very easily hold up his own miniseries, where if they, like, came out yeah. tomorrow and were like, you know, Clayface, you know, Feet of Clay, a five-part miniseries that explained how he came back to life and what happened to him, I'd happily read it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, most deaf. So, uh, what else did you have, Matt? Um, look at my list here. Uh, or go back over to, to DC uh, Marvel for a minute, and uh, that's Marvel 2-in-1. Ah, I have this too. We read the newest <laughs> issue this week. Man, Chip Zdarsky just knocking it out of the fucking park. He is. He's, he's, making a re- he's making a good Fantastic Four story that doesn't actually feature the Fantastic Four. It yeah. only features two of the members. Does it with two. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it's really great, and it's getting me really excited for the upcoming Fantastic Four book. Same. Absolutely. I mean, you know, hey, I, I hope Dan Slott knows that Chip Zdarsky was an amazing opening act, that he was warm and everyone else up for this, <laughs> and doing just a great job of it, too, you know, uh, getting to really dig deep into the relationship between the thing and the human torch yep. and how they fall apart and come back together. And to have this layer of moral complexity, too, where it's like, you know, the thing, the thing is lying to Johnny at this point yeah. about trying to find Sue and Reed wherever they are in the multiverse. He knows they don't, uh, that they're dead, that they're not out there, but he also wants to try and snap Johnny out of his funk and go adventuring again like, uh, like you know, uh, Re- Dr. Richards would want them to do. And now, obviously, solicitations have ruined it, and we know they find them anyway, but still. Yeah, no, but, but it's going to be interesting to see how they find them. Yeah, that's still going to be the extra fun part about it. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's just so much fun, and it just feels like such classic Marvel, you know, just, you know, sense of adventure, sense of wonder. It it feels yeah. like old school in the best way possible. It, it really does. It, it, it's just, yeah, it's just a fun book. It's about jumping through multiverses and just like a Fantastic Four book should be. It is. It reminds you where it's like, this is why the Fantastic Four work. This is why they're good, and this is why the universe looks better with them in it. Yeah, exactly. And it's definitely one of those absence makes the heart grow fonder thing where they've been gone for so long now that they're back where it's like, yeah, yeah, give me more of that, please. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's going to be really great seeing them come back finally. Yeah, here's, here's hoping it continues to sell. Here's hoping people don't get complacent when Fantastic Four comes back. It's like, <laughs> oh, the main series now. That was fun. I'm going to stop reading now. <laughs> because <laughs> here's the thing we love the fantastic four fantastic four was never a great seller like after the original stan lee stuff no no it wasn't and that's a real shame uh okay you did a uh marvel and we both agreed on that i guess i'll go and do another dc then uh oh i feel like such a like such a fanboy doing another batman book but i think we all agree this one, this is a front runner for me for book of the year. This one is like easily, it's number one, at least top three. It's going to take a lot to knock this one out, and that would be Batman White Knight. Yes, uh, I agree as well. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be hard to like top that when it comes to the end of the year, choosing what's the best comic. This, this is one of the best thinking man comics I've read in a very, very long time. And you can choose to read it completely as just like a fun, wacky superhero Elseworlds story. And it is. But if you want to actually dig deeper into the themes of corruption and law and order and justice and police brutality and all this other stuff that it brings to the table, oh my god, are you in for a fun time. This is probably one of the most layered comics I've read in a very long time. 
yeah like as you just said like you could go in like looking for something like kind of cerebral and everything or you can just go in looking for like cool art with like cool looking cars and mm. villains fighting batman and everything you get this got all that as well and yeah it's just it's a comic for everyone it really is it's it's an auteur work is what it is and that word gets thrown around i think a little too much but this really is the brainchild and the art child because he did it all of sean gordon murphy and you can see the love and the passion show up on the page there and and, and you don't think the words love and passion would apply to this one at first because basically the whole conceit of white knight is murphy challenging and tearing down the myth of batman as this infallible mm-hmm. force where he's like nah actually batman is if you break it down if he existed in the real world would be really bad for his city and because of batman's war on crime the rich get richer the poor stay poor he does nothing to address the root causes of crime and it's like wow he's he's basically writing all the stuff we as fans have been saying for years yeah when when the comic first came out they it was kind of pitched as like oh batman's going to be the villain in this story he's going to be like some crime lord or something but and he's going to be evil and everything and while for the longest time for like those first like three or so issues it looked like that and then it just like kind of changed and you're like oh i see what's happening now It, it has one of the best pivots ever it's one of the most interesting takes on Jack Napier, the Joker, as a character in a long time. They do some amazing stuff with Harley Quinn in this, to where I'm like, that's so genius, the main universe should steal that, but they probably won't. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. This, this is one thing I said that like, a lot of writers can probably take take note of this series of how to do a proper Harley Quinn uh, arc or characterization of her she was yeah. perfect in this whereas like everywhere else they're kind of using her just because she's popular yeah. and just slapping her in the comic just because she's popular mm-hmm. whereas this one actually had a reason for her to be in it she's an actual character in this and harley quinn hasn't been a character in a long time and that's a real shame but yeah this this was a joy treat and again don't don't think it's just a straight up deconstruction of the batman mythos it is but then wonderfully it turns in that final issue and it actually becomes a celebration of batman where we see yep. him grow change apologize in the kind of way that he could only do so in an elseworld story because batman admits stuff to himself in this story that if he admitted mm-hmm. it in the main universe, you you couldn't tell any more Batman stories after that. It would be done. The cat would be out of the bag. the The mirror would be shattered, essentially. Yeah, this is it, it's like um, it's like you know, Dark Knight mm. uh, Returns or something. It's like the the the, the final mm. the final Batman story. But this is like the final Batman story for this new generation. Yeah. It really, it really, really uses the Elseworld playground better than just about any book I've read this year, and you know, it's just, yep. it's just a joy. And it's funny, you know, we, we say it's a final, <coughs> it's a final Batman story, and in lots of ways it is. But in other ways, you hear Murphy being like, "Oh shit, that was really popular." Well, what if this kicked off a whole Murphy verse of stories? Because he, there's some red herrings left hanging where it's like, oh, oh, they have to come back to that at some point. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing. Like, it's 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 touted as kind of like a final story. But if they did more, I wouldn't wouldn't mind. It'd be really cool if he's given as much freedom, and this is if it's as well done and well you know worked on and everything. And hey, if you're a fan of the animated series, you're gonna love this too because a lot of the costumes look like evolutions on that. Yeah. Ooh. So that's White Knight. We're both in agreement. That one kicks ass. 
best Batman story of 2018 so far, and it's going to be rough to, you know, uh, what does it, overtake that one. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm just going to say it now. I think it's probably going to be the best Batman story of 2018. Nothing, nothing is touching it so far. Yeah. Really nothing is. So uh, what else did you have, Matt? Um... Uh, sticking with just DC for a minute. I had Super Sons. I, we had to mention Super Sons. The ending, it ended quite abruptly just last week, and that's a shame. It's going to keep going, but you can't take away from it how wonderfully creative and just wonderfully feel-good this book is. Yeah, it's it's just an adventure book. It's just about two, two guys, just two kids, just mm-hmm. having superhero adventures. That's about it. All it was. Yep, Didn't try to like be anything else or anything. That's all. It, all it needed to be. It's it, it's a superhero coming of age story. It's the odd couple in a lot of ways. It's seeing how you know super dark and serious Damien bounces off of super happy and you know uh, outgoing John. And you know it's it's a microcosm of the relationship their dads have, where obviously you know Superman and Batman get along more now in DC Rebirth than they ever did. It's fun to see the junior version of that. Yeah, yeah, and as I've constantly said, they could easily make it just like a copy of their of their father's relationships, like exactly the same, but they're not. They're changing it up a lot, yeah, and making it their own. It really is. I think the bit that stood out for me, and this this bit was actually in one of the weaker arcs, but I quite appreciated it. It's uh, when John and Damien, who are eventually forced to go to the same school with one another. Damien can't shut off being Damien. He's just a dick to everyone. He tries to be smarter than everyone, and everyone hates him for it. Meanwhile, yeah. John, everyone loves John. He's big man on campus. He's super popular and everything, but he is, you know, pushing down his superpowers. He's trying to be average as possible. He's trying to be his version of Clark Kent. And there's mm-hmm. something kind of interesting about this dynamic where it's like, oh, oh, Damien is honest with himself and is hated for it. John is kind of like he's he's you know he's doing a performance he's wearing a costume and people like him huh in this situation it's the you, the opposites <laughs> yeah it's it's quite this thing where it's like huh you know it's like Damien's a jerk but he's being so true to himself meanwhile John is beloved but they don't really love him they just love the version of him that he's created for himself huh that's that's very interesting and you like you almost you don't see that with Batman or Superman either because they're both kind of like you know wearing costumes in their own way yeah, yeah, it, it's really cool. I, I really, really thought it was a really great series. I'm glad it's continuing, and it, it really should have just kept going. It should have. But yeah, I, I don't understand why they decided to like cancel it and then give the writer another series that's just basically issue 17. Given, given what I've read in The Man of Steel this week, I get the feeling they didn't want what Tomasi was doing to rub up against whatever Bendis is doing. That's true, but you could always just like put a little thing in the front. This is set between here. Or... They did that for the last issue. They said that was set before Action Comics a thousand. So. I know, but apparently we don't want to keep doing that. <laughs> but yeah, Super Sons is great. It's just you know a good fun time reading comics. I don't think you know you could go wrong reading that one. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, what else do you have? Uh, so back to Marvel here for a second. Uh, you know, it, it feels funny to say this one because I've literally been saying this for about four years straight. Like since we worked with the other guys, this one hasn't had a bad run yet. Uh, the Mighty Thor, or basically just Thor under Jason Aaron. It is, 
it is rare to say that we are in the middle of a true uh, modern day saga. And that's what this is. This is Jason Aaron's epic. He's been writing it for four years now, pretty much without a break. And there hasn't been there hasn't been a lull in it. You know, we had the Odinson days. We saw the start of the War of Realms. Uh, we saw Jane Foster become Thor for a while, and this year saw her kind of you know hanging up the hammer. Yeah, yeah. Um, I uh, I fell off the series when it originally started, but I did catch up to where it is now, and it's. It's pretty damn good. It if, is. And I, I, there's, if there's ever a book you just want to read, like binge, just binge that series. It is. It's epic fantasy in the Marvel Universe as only Jason Aaron can do it. It's true solid sword and sorcery with a sprinkling of superhero stuff in there. Aaron has <coughs> done such great work going back to the Thor well, bringing in, you know, characters and concepts we haven't seen forever. Uh, you know, he's had characters shift alliances and, you know, moralities and everything, and that's been great. Uh, he's created new characters like Dario Agar and, you know, the Thunder Sisters from the future, and it's just been, you know, like, really, really solid stuff. Like, when this is all done, and it's not ending anytime soon, he's writing it far into, uh, what is it, Marvel Fresh Start. We're going to look back at this, and we're going to be like, God damn, that man wrote a hell of a lot of Thor. Yeah, uh, yeah. Already, he's he's. How many issues has he written? Oh, it's some insane amount. When you put it all together, absolutely. And we're already seeing the effect of it take place in movies. Uh, what is? That? I was listening to the commentary yeah. for Thor Ragnarok, and uh, Taika Waititi talks about uh, the swords that uh, Hela uses. And uh, I was shocked to hear on the commentary Waititi go, "Oh yeah, those are the swords from the God Butcher arc in the Jason Aaron comics." And I'm like, "Wait, what? Really?" <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I'm like, that's fucking dope. That's awesome. And I love that the man who directed this movie knows what that is. <laughs> uh, the art on that book has also been really solid. So, you know, I, I, I tend to have a, what is it, like a weird face blindness in my head for artists. And I think that's a shame because, you know, they literally do 50% of the work. If it wasn't for, what is it, artists, we would be just like reading fucking prose novels. <laughs> But yeah, whoever's drawing this book has been looking great. I like that Del Mundo is going to be writing the new st- or drawing the new stuff. Yeah, the the new book looks really cool. It, I'm really interested in that. It does, and again, you know, it's it's the saga of Thor. It continues. has has not had a slump in this. And usually, with writers who have been on a book or a character for so long, you expect a slump would happen. <clears throat> Dan Slott, Spider Man. But it just hasn't. It really, really just hasn't. And it's a miracle that it continues to be fresh, smart, interesting. Just, you know, just such a fun time from start to finish. And, yeah, that's that's the Mighty Thor for me. Yeah, that was a really great book. I'm looking forward to its future. Yeah, same here. Uh, now, what did you have, Matt? I think you have one more. And then I had an artsy-fartsy pick. And then I was going to read some <laughs> stuff from, the, uh, from, 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 from our fans and see what they had to say. Um... One more, eh? Uh, just trying to think. Uh, I'm trying to think of an outside the box choice. Um, I guess I should just talk about like what DC have been doing with like all the Green Lantern stuff. Green oh, Lanterns yes. and Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps. It's both been really great. Um, uh, Green Lanterns has been has done wonders for people like Simon and oh, Jessica. They need uh, Simon, who's like a leftover from the new 52 that no one gave a shit about set, for the longest time drift that poor motherfucker he was big for a week cnn was talking about him. it's like a muslim green lantern what and then they're like but bring hal back though 
yeah yeah and he like faded off to the point where he's like where where is this guy like what how he where is he <laughs> yeah and then he just like showed up and it was really awesome yeah uh, same with like jessica she was like cool for that that justice league arc after she she uh took over powering and then like kind of like faded off a little bit mm-hmm. but yeah through through rebirth they've had so that like partnering them up was probably the best thing that ever happened to both of them it really was and to turn the idea of green lantern who have always been space cops but what if we make it a buddy cop book and you know they're comedically mismatched and you know they don't like yeah. each other at first and they don't understand each other but they got to learn to work together and the better they work together the better their powers work yeah what if we make green lantern lethal weapon that's which, basically it which man that's a fuck of an elevator pitch let's make green lantern <laughs> into lethal weapon sign it <laughs> yeah and it it's worked it's on like issue it's almost issue 50 yeah um, going strong. of the run uh, and then it's going to be continuing on with Dan Jurgens, and it's it's been such a great book. Just mm-hmm. like all the stuff they've been doing, like the most recent arc is about how Jessica's ring was Power Ring's ring, and it's starting to like come back to that. And they've got to fight like Volthoom and everything, and mm-hmm. all this really cool stuff. And it's great to have like a cosmic book. Yeah, absolutely. That's like like delving into all this stuff and same with like Hal Jordan that's like that's more of a team book than a Hal Jordan book um but yeah yeah but the same thing applies to that all the cosmic stuff he just fought General Zod and because the stuff that was happening in like Superman and all these like little connections and everything like at the moment he's like recruiting villains to fight the dark stars uh dawn stars and everything and, uh, and yeah, and that book seems to be reaching like an actual real deal conclusion because once that's yeah. said and done, uh, there's a good chance that Grant Morrison might be coming in and taking over and completely flipping the Green Lantern universe on its head. Yeah, that one finishes at 50, and then, yeah, uh, there's rumors that he will be coming in, which I, I really hope he is. I mean, those rumors seemed way too specific to not be true, so... yeah. Yeah, very specific. Which, so, yeah, hopefully. Which, which again, it's like you know, enjoy these books while you can, then, because so much of it is going to be changing soon. Like, we're not going to have <laughs> Green Lanterns. We're not going to have Hal Jordan in the Green Lantern Corps. It looks like we're just going to have one book called Green Lantern now, and that it could be about anything. Yeah, yeah, I, I imagine it's probably going to be about Hal Jordan. Could be, or again, Grant Morrison with his pull. I want to make a new Green Lantern, one you never <laughs> seen before. He does a lot of peyote in the desert. Yeah, this Green Lantern is an alien, but he's like an abstract, like, thought form, so you never see him. <laughs> oh, and he's got a shaved head and everything, and he's from Scotland. Uh, Grant, are you just are you just writing you, Grant? Yes, I'm just writing me if I was a Green Lantern. You've, you've already written yourself into books several times. You can't keep doing it, but I can, though. <laughs> you, you can't stop me. I'll wrestle you for it. What about that? Yeah, yeah. The the one hope for that, if if he does take over, I hope he references all these stuff he did in like Multiversity and everything oh, with the Gentry and all that sort of stuff. Hey, hey, the last Green Lantern, and I've joked about this before, that Grant Morrison wrote was Kyle Rayner back when Grant Morrison wrote Justice League. I would fucking love it if just out of the blue, Grant Morrison's like, ah, my new book, Green Lantern. Ah, it's all about Kyle Rayner now. Mm. Hey, I mean, it could be. I mean, in in the recent Flash War issue, they they like teased Grant Morrison's JLA team. Oh, nice. See, there you go. It it existed. It's all in continuity, man. It's all <laughs> it's all a tapestry. I tell you, a rich, rich tapestry. <laughs> 
Alright, so that was good. Uh, here's my artsy-fartsy pick, everyone. This is this is the point where Joel has to work really hard to get his indie comic book credit so I can get that stamped for when <laughs> I go around. It's a little certificate they send you for indie comics that you get it stamped so that I can talk with some authority <laughs> about it while also only reviewing uh, DC and Marvel books because those are the ones that get the most views, which I need for money for food and rent. <laughs> This is my time. Uh, it's a book you've probably seen advertised everywhere. This is this th- this is the one. Like you know, I say like, ooh, it's such an indie pick, but like it's probably the most well known indie book that's out there right now. It's a book called Pervert. Have you heard about it, Matt? I have. I've I've like vaguely heard about it. Yeah, and again, before people in the comments, I can see people writing already. Ooh, Pervert! Finally, a book just for Joel. <laughs> <laughs> Hey. That'll be me in the comments. Yeah, that'll be, that'll be Matt. He, he'll be waiting, waiting at 8 o'clock for it to come up. Yeah, pervert, a book just for Joel. But, <laughs> but yeah, this is uh, this is the real true life story, the true life crushingly sad story of a transsexual prostitute in Seattle. Uh, what is it? Selling themselves and going deeper and deeper into the heart of darkness to try and, you know, pay for reassignment surgery. Uh, that sounds horribly depressing, and it sounds like the sort of thing that if you talk about on YouTube, it'll make them demonetize the video. But here's the twist, though, on Pervert, and what actually makes it really interesting and weirdly compelling, and not just, like, you know, a train ride of sadness. The art is done in, like, super cutesy, super cartoony, like, anthropomorphized animals. So, like, there's characters that are, like, straight-up stolen from Garfield, and Arthur and Clifford the Big Red Dog to the point where I'm like, how the how the fuck can they get away with this without getting sued? Oh, really? Yes, like literally. Uh, what is it? John Arbuckle, Garfield's owner, is in this. They don't call him that, but he's in it. Clifford the Big Red Dog <laughs> is in it. They don't call him that, but he's in it. <laughs> it's shocking, and oh man, the stuff they do with them. Can't even talk about it. The stuff they do with them. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it's uh, it's again, it's it, it, it's like a really good version of a Lifetime movie, but with like no like reins to put it in, so it can be dark and it can be fucked up, and people can swear and there can be blood and bad stuff can happen in comic book form with like a really interesting art style to it. This is like one of those stories where it's like, oh, this could only be a comic book because if you pitched this anywhere else, everyone would be like, nah, that's way too fucking weird. We can't do that. <laughs> but yes, if if you're looking for an artsy fartsy pick, if you're looking for something indie that you know will make you feel you know very very, very smart and very highbrow, re- read a book about sex called Pervert. Yeah, Joel recommends Pervert. Joel recommends <laughs> put that on the back of the book for the second printing. Joel recommends Pervert. Oh, God, that's going to be on my tombstone now. Joel recommends pervert. Dot, dot, dot. Know the book. <laughs> uh, now, d- did you have another one there, Matt, or can we uh, look at what the fans uh, had to say? We can move over to what the fans say. All right, so everyone was nice enough to do this, and again, I figured because this was going to be a short episode anyway, I thought I'd be nice and give uh, you know our fans out there a chance to let their voices heard of what they thought some of the best uh, books of 2018 so far have been. So first off, we have Colin. He's really been enjoying Infinity Countdown and Daredevil. Uh, yeah, I agree. Infinity Countdown has been really cool. 
it's been really cool the last couple of issues i've been kind of wondering like why isn't this tying into like the the, the larger stuff but yeah, yeah it's it's been pretty good it exists in an odd place but it's again it's clear they've given jerry duggan Clark, uh, carte blanche to be like hey finish your guardians of the galaxy run first off <laughs> that was clearly you know present yeah. in his mind also yeah. hey set up the new status quo for the Infinity Stones, where they are, who has them. So eventually, later on in the summer, we can have Infinity Wars. Which, you know what, hey, if Wars keeps up the quality of Countdown, I'll enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, if, if it keeps... It, it's Every book has been quality. It's yeah. just they're not tying in specifically to no. each other. But yeah, if it keeps up that quality with the main, the main event... Yeah. Uh, then yeah, it'll be really good. Also, hey, props on using Pimtron as an actual big overarching bad yeah. guy. Yeah, someone remembered him. So, well, I mean, he he helped create him and you know make him relevant, Jerry Duggan. So I can see why he would. Uh, what is it here? Steven says, "White Knight and the Batman Who Laughs." Yes, indeed, White Knight was good. I don't know if Batman Who Laughs was my favorite of the Dark Knight's metal tie-ins. Dark Knight Metal was so big, and yet they've already moved on to other big stuff. Now I forgot Dark Knight's Metal even happened. Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's kind of a weird series that I I, I liked it. I Me thought too. it was really good. Um, but yeah, it's kind of like like they they were touting it as this huge event, but then it's kind of like, eh, they, they doesn't really matter. They fought something bigger in four issues yes. recently. They so, yeah. moved on too quick. They moved on super fucking quick. Yeah, way too quick. Way too quick, and like a lot of hanging plot lines where it's like, you know, is anyone? Is everyone going to talk about Batman keeping Joker in his basement to solve math? Bro- no, no, okay. Oh, Bar- Barbatos got defeated really easily by the Hawks and not Batman, even though he seemed like more of a Batman villain than a Hawk villain. Okay, whatever, that's fine. Hey, characters are back, new Justice League. Again, I think I actually liked some of the other, uh, what is it, uh, Dark Batman issues better. I think I liked Destroyer Batman better because that was like mm-hmm. the Batman that became Doomsday. Yeah, I, I liked that one. I liked the um, uh, the Red Death one. That I thought that was really interesting. That was a good one. Again, you know, what lengths will Batman go to to you know save the day, even if it costs him his soul and kills everyone around him? Hell, uh, Murder Machine, the Cyborg one, was really good because it really delved deep into Batman's relationship with Alfred, his father figure, and how losing him could really fuck him up. Yeah, they were, they were all pretty, all pretty good. Even like the tie-ins that went specifically the Dark Knights one, like the Gotham Resistance tie-ins, yeah, were yeah. pretty good. Even though that thing with like uh, Riddler didn't really go anywhere. None of them really went anywhere, but they were fun while they lasted. Uh, Kip says that uh, one of his favorite was Action Comics number one thousand. A lot of beautiful stories. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Yep. Plus, it was a good milestone issue. Not much to say about that. Uh, Jacob has an indie pick right here. Kill or Be Killed by Ed Brubaker. Consistently good read, amazing narrative flow, and phenomenal art. I don't know what that's about, but it's Ed Brubaker, so it'll probably be cool. Yeah, it'll probably be something about spies or something. Probably be about spies. (laughs) That's cool. Apparently, Kyle Higgins has a really fun spy book out right now. Uh, The Dead Hand, which is like about a real thing that happened in Cold War history. Yeah, I keep seeing that on, on like Twitter and everything, and yeah. it looks really cool. I'll, I'll add that to my list of ones that are probably pretty good that I haven't read yet, right next <laughs> to Moon Knight, Shattered Grid, and all of Mr. Miracle. <laughs> Again, I've got a big, long plane ride coming up soon. I'm going to catch up on all of these, I promise, and then I can talk with more, uh, more authority. <laughs> 
what else we got here? Alex W., again, a lot of the same ones we've been talking about. Super Sons, Marvel 2-in-1, White Knight, uh, Gideon Falls. Never heard of that. I, I've heard of that, yeah. Right. I think that's like a recent book. Mm-hmm. Right here, uh, Kenneth, really enjoying Betrothed from Aftershock. Never even heard of that one, but good job mentioning mm-hmm. Aftershock there. I like it when we can mention uh, other comic companies. He's also really enjoying X-Men Red. I know you were singing its praise praises there. Yeah, it, last issue kind of fell into the old X-Men thing where it kind of, like, they seem to be telling the same story every uh, every every uh, story arc, you know, racism against the X-Men, that sort of stuff. But it's it's really cool because they're, they're, they're telling it in, like, the internet age now, oh, or, like, yes. any, where it can do with any anyone and anything. Right, yes, I heard about that. That's definitely the one I want to read because, again, Tom Taylor, definitely a, uh, what is it, favorite here of the comic multiverse and definitely one I want to look into. In fact, I, I'm going to catch up on a bunch of these X-Men books because I want to read Extermination when it comes out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, our buddy Jacob here saying he's really enjoying Doomsday Clock, but that goes without saying. Yeah, I read the last Doomsday Clock. What did you think of it, Matt? bit too many stories it's a little all over the place too it's a 12 issue maxi series we're five issues in and it still feels like it's introducing stuff yeah and yeah this issue i think i counted them i had like six or five five or six like stories all going on at once yeah and it was like jumping every other page was like another story and and like yeah big, big stuff is happening in between panels now it's like oh rorschach broke out of arkham asylum oh and he's teamed up with saturn girl now okay yeah 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 it's uh yeah okay they oh they found the joker uh, okay which joker is this oh yeah, we don't know we, we don't know <laughs> although hey you know we can see again jeff johns playing all his favorite cards that he's apparently keeping close to his chest black adam justice society of america legion of superheroes these are mine no one else can talk about these <laughs> yep yep which, uh, again, too, you know, here's another thing that I like Doomsday Clock for, and it infuriates me, too, where they're doing the whole, you know, modern updating of the Watchmen story, you know, pulled from the headlines, you know, metahumans, Russian tension and everything, on one hand. Then it's also doing this Meditech story with Johnny Thunder, where he's like, oh, I need to find American-made steel, and I'm like, oh, because, you know, American-made comics or whatever was one of the companies that would eventually morph and become DC Comics. Oh, I see what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, it's got a lot, a lot of, a lot of cool stuff, and yeah, as you said, kind of frustrating in parts as well. Because it's so many levels where I'm like, okay, look, I'm, I'm reading this as a pull from the headlines. Like, okay, now I got to change gears and read this as an <laughs> allegory story. And you know, you're, you're giving me double allegory because we got the Nathaniel Dusk detective movies. Because Nathaniel Dusk was a character in DC lore, but he got crisis out of existence, and now he's just a movie character. But maybe he's not a movie character. Maybe he actually did exist, and maybe Johnny knew him. <laughs> there's uh, there's a lot of stuff going on here. Uh, Live to Rock, longtime fan here. Again, he also mentions uh, all new Wolverine, X Men, Red, Avengers, No Surrender. Yeah, really solid Avenger story. Yeah, it's it's quite a bit. It's big sixteen part story. I know I had reservations about that even working. In that, I thought it was going to get like quite stale halfway through, but it yeah. never did. Yeah, it was a good it was a good way to get the Avengers book back on track and say, hey, you all need to read this now. Uh, he also says Daredevil and Deadpool. Uh, yeah, Daredevil continues to be solid. I've held a torch for that book for a very long time. I wish more people would read it. Maybe with Phil Noto coming in to do art, more people will read it. I'm going to read it. There you go. So it's already working. Deadpool was cool. 
again under Duggan, although I think the Despicable Deadpool era was his weakest era. He stuck the landing, but man, getting there was rough. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Adam yeah. says, the Terrifics. Ah, yes, of course. Uh, the New Age of Heroes. I actually got a couple people saying New Age of Heroes. Some people did actually say Sideways and everything. Terrifics is pretty good. I, I haven't read the, the most recent issue, so I'm, I think I'm behind by one, but yeah, it's it's pretty good. Ter- Terrifics more than anything in the New Age of Heroes is the one I can see working and the one sticking around because it's not made yeah. new Marvel-esque characters. It's pre-existing DC characters put in Marvel-esque situations. Yeah. That people wanted back. And that exactly. People wanted back and people wanted to read about anyway. Uh, Garrett saying one of the ones he's loving is Hack Slash Resurrection. Nice Hack Slash reference. I need to go back and read more of those. Yeah. But I love that. Uh, again, some more love for the Power Rangers comic. Some love for the Archie comics from Joshua. I forget that Archie is back in a big way and super popular now. Yeah, yeah. Super, super popular, in fact. Uh, what do we got yet? Is that everybody? More Doomsday Clock, more... Da, da, da. Yeah, a lot, lot of the same books being mentioned here. Uh, so... Oh, Thanos by Donny Cates. Technically ended in 2018, but started in 2017. That counts. I also caught up on Thanos by Donny Cates and thought it was pretty wicked. It's pretty damn good book. It is. And, you know, he writes it differently, which I truly appreciate. Like, he writes that last story like a fairy tale, and he, you know, introduces the cosmic ghost rider who's already kind of taken off and becoming his own thing as a character. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's all the fan ones, everybody. You know, we're about to hit, you know, roughly around 50 minutes here. Do we have anything else to say, Matt? I thought that was pretty good, pretty to the point. We got to talk about lots of good books. We got to have a super positive episode. Yeah, yeah, it was it was really great. Just and obviously a lot shorter, but yeah, it was really great just being able to praise the books we we love mm. uh, to read and review on our channels. Definitely, because you know that's believe it or not, everyone. That's why Matt and I do this because we love comics, we love to talk about comics, and we love to share the comics we love with other people. We do, we really do. I think that's a common misconception online where it's like, oh, you know, you you critics just want to hate stuff or, you know, prove you're smarter than the material, even though technically, like, in the old Greeky kind of way, that was what criticism was, but still. <laughs> Again, Matt, Matt and I don't think we're smarter than the material. We're smarter than some materials, but not all the materials. <laughs> You know the ones. But yeah, with that, everyone, I guess we can start winding the show down. Thank you so much for listening. Sorry it was shorter this week. Again, I wanted to deliver something. I wanted to deliver something a little different. Probably by the time you see this, I will be in a completely different province in a completely different time zone. Yeah, yeah. That'll be a thing. Uh, Yeah, anything you want to talk about, Matt? Anything you want to promote here on the show before we shut her down? Uh, not really. I, I, I am really happy with myself that I've actually caught up with all my comics, uh, especially since next week all, all of, like, Marvel number one start. Oh, do they seriously? Is that next week? Oh, yeah, I'm be like, like a huge chunk of them start yeah. next week. Don't they? Uh, here, what do I have left? I did Marvel 2-in-1 and the Man of Steel tonight. I have the Batman wedding prelude. I'm debating doing the Captain Marvel Infinity Countdown. I got Green Arrow Annual. Again, my favorite hero, and I push him down. I got to push him down the uh, the pecking order. <laughs> Green Arrow Annual is, that, is a No Justice tie-in. Is it fucking seriously? Yeah, no, no. I didn't even know until I opened it. And I'm like, wait, really? They, they reference uh, it. They reference, And it was much better than the issue. <laughs> wow, they, they reference No Justice, or they reference Green Arrow Annual in the pages 
of uh, <laughs> what is it of No Justice saying, "Oh, you want to see this meeting between Amanda Waller and Green Arrow? Read Green Arrow Annual." I'm like, "But that's not out yet, and won't be out for weeks." <laughs> well, uh, well, I'll be goddamn. Thanks for that, Matt. Then of course I got Punisher, Daredevil, and two issues of Miss Marvel. I'm behind on, so that's what I got looking for the rest of the week. Nice. So yeah, with that, everyone, I think we can uh, call this a show. Thank you so much for listening. Tell us in the comments section below if you didn't get a chance to sound off. What are your favorite comics of 2018 so far, and what are you looking forward to in the rest of the year? Yeah, yeah. looking forward to hearing what people have to offer. Absolutely. I love hearing stuff I haven't read and stuff that I should probably seek out. So there you have it, everyone. As always, I have been Cape Joel. I'm Matt. And we will see you all again. Same comic multiverse time, same comic multiverse place. Bye bye, everybody. Bye.